This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Thank you, Crystal. That's, uh, that's a message we needed today. I just wanted to um, welcome Community Springs Nursing Home as uh, we are streaming to them, and uh, we welcome all of the residents and glad that you could join us uh, for this morning. Uh, I, I can't shake something. I just need to talk to you a minute. Uh, been in conversation with my daughter, Erica, and um, of course the country of Albania being part of Europe, why it's, it, it's in crisis right now. And, and Albania was a communist country and they've kind of moved away, but kind of reverting back to some of that control right now. But they haven't been allowed to, to, to really live there hardly. Um, and so the group that they work with are the Roma people. They're gypsies. They migrated from India, I don't know, hundreds of years ago. And so they're displaced people. They have no home. Some of them just live in, you know, cardboard boxes, whatever. And this particular community is a little bit more upscale. Uh, but anyway, what, what a lot of the p- people do to be able to just eke out a subsistence is they will collect junk. They'll go to the dumpsters. And then any metal, what they'll do is they'll go and take it across town and, and sell it. And so that's the way they make their living while well, they're not allowed to be out. And so Erica was just sharing with me, she said, Dad, these people are starving right now. And she was getting ready to go on a food run to buy some food. And I said, Erica, can we help you finance this? She said, oh, that would be a big help. And so um, I, I, I just texted her early this morning. And I said, we're going to just see. And what we can do. And if there are any of you that would like to help just a little bit with this, um, they're, they're, they're trying to buy, buy food and uh, just trying to help them out during this crisis until they can kind of get back to what they do. But anyway, if any of you want to help and just make your checks out to the, to the church or hand, uh, you know, cash, if you want to just give, you know, five bucks, whatever, that's, that's going to be a help. And so thank you ahead of time uh, for those of you that want to help with this. For those of you that are not living under a rock or in a cave, uh, you know that there's pretty much one subject that has not only dominated the news worldwide, but it's also dominated your conversation, because I've been hearing you this morning, and dominated your thoughts. In the last few days, Americans have come to understand that the novel coronavirus, which novel just means it's new and there's no antidote, no vaccine for it at this point, but novel coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, is, is no longer something that's just isolated in far-off China or far-off Europe. Rather, what is believed to have possibly started at a seafood market in Wuhan City, China, because of global travel and the world has shrunk. We're connected today, seems like with every part of, of the world. But uh, what goes on in Wuhan City, China no longer stays in Wuhan City, China. And more than likely, and I'm not a doom and gloom, uh, the end of the world is coming type of person, yet I, I think that more than likely it's just a matter of time before it arrives uh, to our community. And whether or not you choose to believe it, whether or not you choose to accept it, it is changing our way of life, at least for the foreseeable future. Now, I, today I was so excited to, believe, uh, to begin a, a new sermon series. Um, in fact, the, the, the bulletin reflects that. I was going to call it No Longer Slaves. And um, 
Friday morning, I went through just my kind of my final prep, making a few just uh, tweaks, and I was so excited because God's really given me a passion for this topic, and I'm just excited to, to share with you what I feel like God is putting on, on my heart. But um, I, I, I finished it up pretty much and uh, sent it in to the, the person that does some of the PowerPoints and all of that. And uh, early afternoon Friday, uh, much to my dismay, that caused even a little bit of despair when I, when I try to take Friday afternoon off to, to clear my mind and recharge for the weekend. I, 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 I believed, uh, actually I felt like that, that uh, God was calling an audible. Now for you sports fans, and I was telling my wife about it, she said, I don't understand what you're saying. It doesn't make a bit of sense. But anyway, for those of you that are sports fans, you know, sometimes uh, the quarterback gets up there and he reads the defense and he realizes, oh, this isn't the right place. So he will call an audible and change the play. And so Friday afternoon, I felt like that God was maybe calling an audible, and uh, I felt that maybe we should delay the start of this new series uh, for at least a Sunday. We'll see how long, and, and, and take today and talk about this worldwide crisis from a biblical and a spiritual perspective, uh, as, as well as address some concerns and some what-ifs. I mean, after all this pandemic which pandemic just means a, a, a global epidemic that, that is not just localized to a country or even necessarily maybe to a continent, but this is global. It's causing unprecedented disruptions that has shut down the NBA, National Basketball Association, the National Hockey League, the Major League Baseball spring training, NCAA March Madness, public and private schools and churches in several states, as well as any public gathering of over 100 or more in some places, and in other states that's actually 250 or more. And so what I want to do is to just basically talk to you from a perspective of, of God's Word. You're being flooded with information, but it's not all from a godly perspective, and, and it's not like uh, I've, I've had a significant amount of prep time, had a wedding, uh, uh, Randy Joe and Mandy, uh, Randy and Mandy now, Randy and Mandy Bland, uh, we got them hitched, and so it's not like I had a lot of prep time over the weekend, but a good portion of the weekend, I secluded myself back in my office, and, and, and today I want to share some information that I've, that I've gathered from some quick research that I was able to do, and as well as share some things that God has impressed upon me during my prayer time and just kind of meditation. In fact, early this morning, I was making tweaks again, just, just kind of trying to put things together, what I feel like God wants me to share today. Now, to begin with, I recognize there are a lot of opinions on this matter. When it comes to this, we as Americans are extremely opinionated. We all have an opinion. And it seems that at least some of the opinions are coming from two extremes. First of all, there are those who I believe, at least from my perspective, I believe they are underreacting. Um, their thought is just going with life as usual. I mean, no need to make any changes. Uh, I've heard statements such as, well, this whole thing is blown out of proportion because, because the, the coronavirus is just like a cold or... I've heard, you know what, it's something just like the seasonal flu that comes around. I, I heard people say, well, you know, influenza has killed many more people than uh, COVID-19. And, and there's some truth to those statements. I, I, you know, I read that in this flu season alone that there have been what, uh, I can't remember how many million it was, that 19 million people that have been sickened with the, the, the flu worldwide and over 10,000 deaths. And so they're hearing those statistics. Um, 
And, and again, there, there's some truth to those statements, but for a virus that only has been officially identifiable since December 31st of 2019, there's no doubt that this virus is serious. As of Friday, and, and of course the numbers are changing every day, changing pretty much every hour, but as of Friday, March 13th, the World Health Organization reported that there had been over 132,000 confirmed cases in 110 different countries. And because of the, last of the, the lack of testing kits in many countries, the number of cases are, are probably many, many more. And, and, you know, there are some of the citizens that it does only affect like a common cold. And so they don't realize that they have it. But uh, over 4,000 deaths have been attributed to it. And for those of our citizens who are 80 years of age and over... And I've read different statistics, uh, you know, where some will say that those over 80, the mortality rate is about 15%. I've read up as high as almost 22%. And so, again, it depends who you read after. The, the numbers are going to change a little bit. So, for, for those that have a tendency to think, well, you know, I'm tough. And, and I'm not going to do anything different. And, frankly, I think that's an underreaction. And yes, I've heard the conspiracy theories floating around. I've heard that it's them there, Democrats, that are spreading this fear to defeat Trump. And I think there are probably those Democrats out there that are thinking that the Republicans are behind it because if they can create a crisis, they're thinking before the election, generally the incumbent has the advantage if there's a crisis. I've even had people in this church ask me, well, do you think that the scientists created this virus? If you thrive on conspiracy theories, you are eating this up. This is your moment. But anyway, there are those that are not taking this virus seriously. But then I think there are those that are probably overreacting, and they're the ones who have bought up all of the toilet paper from Walmart <laughs> and Woods. You know, there are some people that buy cars to flip, buy properties to flip. I'm wondering if some people are buying toilet paper to flip. That just sounds kind of funny, doesn't it? Um, but anyway, I went to Amazon yesterday. I thought, I'm going to see if Amazon has toilet paper. Amazon has everything. They were out of toilet paper. Couldn't get a roll of toilet paper to save my life. Um, and, and so there are people that are preparing themselves for the apocalypse, and they've got enough beans and rice stockpiled to feed the entire world for the next five years. And, and they have 55-gallon barrels of hand sanitizer in their garage. They're reading every piece of news they can, and that's all they talk about. That's all they think about. If that's you, that's probably an overreaction. So as Christians, how should we react? How should we deal with the novel coronavirus? Well, let me try to summarize this under four suggestions that I'd like to give you. Number one. Seek expertise, not just opinions. It, it's not surprising that in the midst of the growing panic, there has been a flood of misinformation. And one of the most glaring flaws that we have in our society is how frequently, for wisdom, we turn to those who have the loudest voices and the largest social media platforms. We've allowed the media, we've allowed celebrities to become the conscience of America. We've allowed the media, the celebrities, to become the leaders of America. <coughs> and we tend to follow them in their reactions. 
No, I don't have the coronavirus, okay? <clears throat> you know, when it comes to this virus, excuse me a second. The doc's here, he may want to take my temperature here and I may be quarantined. But when it comes to this virus, I want to be kind and not come across as this old codger that's out of touch. But, but when it comes to this, I don't believe that social media is necessarily your friend. You know, your uncle's Facebook post is no more useful in this situation than when he posted about the last conspiracy theory yesterday. And our celebrities, even though they have a loud voice because of their big platform, they're not the experts. In essence, what is happening in our country is that we are reaping the rewards of decades of media polarization and celebrity worship. So in a medical situation like this, look to the experts who have dedicated their lives to things like this. That's not me. That's not your friend on Facebook. That's not the NBA star or the Hollywood star. The experts in this situation are the doctors and the healthcare professionals who are courageously fighting and preparing to fight this virus across the country and the globe. If we will do this, we can cut through a ton of misinformation and get to the truth. So seek expertise, not just opinions. Number two, seek common sense and not impulsivity. When fear comes, there is a temptation to react impulsively. We, we follow the panicky crowd. But instead of doing that, we need to just step back and slow down and maybe sit down. Call a timeout. And I'm not saying that you will just sit back for a year before coming up with a plan of action. But use some common sense. The, the, the crowd is not always right. Did you know that? The majority is not always right. The loudest voices are not always right. React in ways that are constructive and God-honoring. You know, the Apostle Paul gives us the framework for this. He encourages us to not be anxious or not worry about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication. And, and right there, that shows that we should not just react impulsively, but because it says by prayer and, and supplication, that takes time. Let your voice be heard as you seek God. And it says with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Don't you think we need a little bit of that today? The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that last statement of God guarding our hearts and minds leads us to the next point. Seek hope and not fear. If you're not careful, you will become obsessed with this crisis. You will watch the news, read articles, watch videos, and believe you me, today there is an endless parade of content ready to feed that fear. But for us as followers of Jesus Christ, it's critical for us to combat this fear and this panic by turning again and again and again and again to our hope. Where's that? Jesus Christ. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus spoke against this kind 
of fear in Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on, and without harming the scriptures, may I add, what will happen with COVID-19. And, and verse 27 goes on to say, which of you, by being anxious, worrying, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Actually, worry takes away from your lifespan. You know, in the midst of confusion, we should be informed, we should have a plan, but that should be fed by our time in prayer. It should be fed by God's Word. It should be fed by, by the experts. And, and so that's where our hope and encouragement will come from. It won't come from Facebook and celebrities and the panicky crowd. So the question we need to consider is this. Are we seeking first the kingdom of God? That's where our hope comes from. So, um, as our world is confronting its mortality, we have the choice to either place our trust in Jesus Christ or place our trust in the hope of this world that will decay and die. And then here is probably what I feel like is the most important part. Number four, seek mission, not isolation. You know, in our effort to avoid this deadly virus, the danger is that we will isolate ourselves from one another as well as isolate ourselves from the people God has called us to reach. And this has been happening for several years now. You know, we've become so fearful of, of getting the common cold from someone else. And so if someone uh, coughs like I just did, someone has the flu or whatever, our, our, our primary concern becomes our own personal health, and so we isolate ourselves from those who really need us. And, and so what, what I've seen is someone comes in, well, how are you doing? Well, I've been sick. What do we say? Well, don't give it to me. Instead of, I'm really sorry that you've been sick, it's like, hey, don't give it to me. And we begin to isolate ourselves from those who really need us. And may I just say that when we isolate, that's an Old Testament reaction. In the Old Testament, when someone had a disease like leprosy, how did they respond? They sent them outside of the city walls to live in isolation, total isolation. That was the Old Testament. But when Jesus came, the New Testament response was dr dramatically different. It, instead of isolation, what did they do? They spent time with the sick. They spent time with lepers. They loved and they served the outcasts. Let me suggest a few practical ways Christians can seek the mission of the gospel rather than to isolate. Number one, first of all, seek the, seeking the mission, I believe, will cause us to focus on the vulnerable populations that will be particularly hit by this virus. You know, as, as, as I said, those, uh, those above 80 years of age um, or, 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 or those with compromised immunity systems uh, have a greater chance of uh, not, not surviving the virus. And, and our, our, our local nursing home, and those of you that are watching right now, and, you know, they've asked us as friends and family to, to not come. And uh, that, that's difficult. I mean, for me personally, because my dad is in there every morning. I had breakfast with him at 7 o'clock, and so I haven't seen my daddy since Monday. And, and Dad, by the way, I miss you, and uh, this is hard on me, and I, I think it's hard on, 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 on the residents. Um, but we need to especially 
have a plan of action for those who are vulnerable and maybe they're still home. And, you know, I think that we need to, 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 to see if they have enough food or, or, or medicine. Do they have lines of communication to where they can contact someone for help? Is there someone that will check up on them regularly? I mean, there can be no clearer picture in Scripture of how to live out our faith and that, than to care for the vulnerable. You know, Matthew chapter 4, verse 14 says, let your light shine before others. Listen, it doesn't say so that they may hear you or listen to you. It says so they may see your good deeds. That means you're not just talking. It means you're doing something, good deeds. And by that, glorify your Father in heaven. And as Christians who seek the mission of the gospel, you know, really, there are three things that we have to offer. We're hope dealers, not drug dealers. We're hope dealers. We give them hope. We're light shiners. We shine the light of Christ and we're love givers. We love them in the name of Jesus. And, and whenever we do that, when we're hope dealers, light shiners, love givers, those three things will spread faster than the coronavirus. Secondly, second practical tip for seeking mission is resist the bunker mentality that causes you to isolate to the exclusion of others. Now, we need to always listen to the medical professionals and follow their directives. And, and certainly, if you're showing signs of illness, the best way to love others is by staying home. Don't, don't say, well, I'm tough. And yeah, I don't feel well, but I'm tough. I'm from that generation or whatever. I won't let this flu stop me from going to the house of the Lord. Tough guy, you stay home. Okay? That's the best way to love others. But when you're well, don't, don't fall prey to the panicky fear to where you isolate. When, when we begin thinking isolation, that's when I believe we've strayed from the very heart of God. Imagine millions of Christians during this crisis checking on their neighbors, more concerned about others rather than rushing to Walmart to grab another 10 cases of toilet paper or hand sanitizer. Imagine Christians being concerned about others. Third thing about mission is, and this one's hard, <laughs> be ready to pay the cost. And I want to be very careful here because this is countercultural. This is not what our society would suggest. But being missional in the midst of a crisis, as we as Christians become hope dealers and light shiners and love givers, know, are you listening? It may come with a cost. Down through history, many Christians who ministered in the midst of the plague gave of their resources, even in the famine throughout church history, they paid dearly, sometimes with their own lives. Now, don't misquote me. I'm not saying we need to be careless. No, this virus is serious. It's deadly. And we need to be careful. But I pray that this church would not become so skittish and so fearful, so selfish to where we would isolate ourselves to the point to where we wouldn't have contact with the people that God has called us to serve. You know, if that's the way we react, may God have mercy on us because we have quit loving God and loving others and started loving ourselves more than others. 
Now, I, I want to address just some, some practical aspects that if you haven't asked, you've at least uh, thought about it. For example, the question, will we continue to have church as usual? And, and Jim addressed that earlier in the announcements. I, I can't answer beyond today. But I will say this, on Sunday mornings, your pastor doesn't like to cancel church. There have been multiple occasions where most every other church in town would close their doors for snow and ice, and we didn't. And I'm not casting stones at them, because for some of them, their situation is different. Their, their parking lot's not safe, and their congregation's elderly, and, and so that's fine. I'm not, I'm not throwing shade at them, but as a church, it has to be very, 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 very serious for us to cancel. And so at this point, we have no plans to suspend our services, but I can't speak beyond today. But I would just ask, uh, again, as long as we're able to have church here, as long as we gather, uh, if you're not feeling well, stay home. You're not going to go to hell for missing a few services while you're not well. And as always, you can tune into our live stream, and, and if you don't know how to do that, contact our church office during the week, and, and we'll try to help you get set up. And again, we're going to try to limit our, our handshakes, you know, smiles, and elbow bumps. We're going to get creative. Somebody greeted me with a hip bump. Now, I don't know, after the, after the early service, so that's kind of, that, that is getting creative, but uh, maybe we can still greet each other in the name of the Lord and uh, be safe there. You say, well, pastor, that just shows a lack of faith. Why don't you just trust God to keep you safe and keep on shaking hands and keep on hugging in the name of Jesus? Well, if that's your thought, the next copperhead you see just pick it up in the name of Jesus. <laughs> and trust God to take good care of you. And let me know how that works out for you, okay? But, but anyway, as long as it's reasonably safe, as long as our governor allows us, we will continue with the same church schedule, and you can check our website and Facebook page for the up-to-date information there. Having said that, I'm well aware that our state government may take this decision out of our hands, and if they do, we will abide by their mandate. As I said earlier, in different states, they've already banned gatherings over a certain number of people, and, and, and so the day may come, and it may be sooner rather than later, where we temporarily will not be allowed to gather in this building. Should that happen? We don't have every detail in place. We've, uh, we've discussed some things, but... We will probably still try to have a Sunday morning service that we would live stream to you. Um, and, and I'll admit, I've thought about this, it will really be weird preaching to a bunch of empty chairs. Uh, it, it'll be really weird shaking my finger at the empty chairs and, uh, you know, yelling and, and, and screaming. Uh, I, I don't know. But, but we'll do our best to stream the Sunday morning service to you. And we will see what limitations our governor might place on us. There might be opportunity to meet in some small groups. Uh, we've thought about FaceTime groups, groups or WhatsApp groups or, or Zoom groups. And if you don't know what those are, don't worry about it. It's no big deal. But as a staff, we're, we're trying to stay on top of this and look at potential options. But it's impossible to plan until we know for sure what the state of Missouri is going to ask us to do. Uh, a couple more things. And our, our president has declared today to be a national day of prayer. And before we leave, I want to spend some time praying corporately. But before we, we go to prayer, 
I want to say this, and I, I feel such a passion. I, I, I pray that God would help this passion to come out. But church, I believe this is our time. I believe this is the time for the church to shine. Because we as Christians, we live by faith, not by fear. And we don't hide our light. We let it shine. And we don't live selfishly. We live sacrificially. And we put others before ourselves. And so I wonder if if through this horrible pandemic of the coronavirus, I'm wondering if, if God may be preparing us for one of the greatest moments in the history of the church. While extremely frightening, yet this virus represents a rare window for the church to be the church. And I have a feeling that some doors of ministry will be opened up for the very first time. Because in our society, there's fear, there's panic, and they're, they're thinking, what if? What's going to happen? And you know what? We know what's going to happen. We've read the end of the book, haven't we? And, and so in a sense, I, I, I've got the same apprehension because of the global virus. But I have a sense of anticipation that God is going to use you. He's going to use me. He's going to use this church to bring some people to Jesus Christ. And if we have to close our doors temporarily, we will do what the early church did. And when the authorities went in and shut down the early church, what happened? They took the church to the streets. It didn't stop them. They kept praising the Lord. They kept worshiping. They kept giving. They kept winning people to Christ. They didn't isolate. They served each other. And did the church suffer? No, it grew exponentially. You know what this word means? It's not addition. It's not just multiplication. It's multiplication that goes crazy. The the church grew exponentially. It grew as never before. Jim... uh, Jim posted on on Facebook a couple of days ago an article that you might have read, but it was an article by Moses Lee, and the title was, What the Early Church Can Teach Us About the Coronavirus, and just trying to summarize it because I want to have a time of prayer, but for a 13-year period, and that's scary, but for a 13-year period beginning in AD 249, the world was devastated by one of the deadliest pandemics in history up to that time. The the city of Rome was hard hit, and it's said that during the peak of the outbreak, that there in the city of Rome, one city, that they were losing 5,000 people per day to this pandemic. 5,000 per day in one city. And and the article brought out that at the first onset of the disease, those who didn't identify themselves as Christians they reacted kind of typically that uh, as people are reacting today, well, isolate from them and they, they, they treated them horribly. In fact, when, when people came down, it was obvious they weren't going to survive. I guess there were even stories that to where they would take those people and kind of throw them in the road and they weren't even dead yet and just leave them to die alone. That, that there was panic, there was fear The reaction was all about self-protection and self-preservation, isolation. But this same article brought out the different approach of Christians. And those who had, who were followers of Jesus, it, it says that heedless of the danger, 
Here's what they did, and this really spoke to my heart. It said, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And this article goes on and says this, and yes, some paid the cost. They were infected with the disease, and some even lost their lives. But do you know what the result was? people began to get a glimpse of Jesus through their actions. And again, the church began to experience exponential growth. You know, I believe we've reached that time where we need to either put up or shut up. We say we're followers of Jesus and we say that we love Jesus and we love each other. And I believe it's come to the time where we're going to have to either live up to what we claim of loving Jesus and loving each other, and we just need to close our mouths. But, but church, I believe this is our moment. And, and I've got this sense of excitement within me. And oh yeah, there's dread because of what's going on. And I, I dread the moment I hear that it's coming to Cedar County and our community. But there's just this sense of anticipation that this is going to be the time where people are going to see that Jesus' followers are different. And they truly, yes, they love God, but they love others. And so this is the time for us to go into action and deal hope and shine light and give love in the name of Jesus. What, one more thing. Uh, my daughter Erica and Gabe and Claire... Gabe had been in Budapest, Hungary, was able to get back to Albania yesterday. And so the decision has been made to try to get out of the country. And of course, uh, the noose just seems to be tightening more and more in Europe, UK, Ireland was closed down yesterday. And, uh, but, but this morning, uh, at, during the early service, at the end of the early service, Jeremy Oring, who has been working so much to try to help, but he was able to secure tickets from them on Tuesday. And they will be going to London and then to JFK and hopefully on into Kansas City. And there, there could be some quarantine, could be a couple of weeks of quarantine. We don't know. But anyway, we have been able to secure some tickets for them. But Erica, she was uh, talking with me over the past couple of days. She said, Daddy, I, I hate to leave. And, and I know it's right because... The country shut down. They can't do ministry. And, you know, Erica's vulnerable because of her health condition. And, and, and they're just pretty much Erica's or, or Claire's school has been shut down. So it's the right thing to do. But she said, Daddy, I hate to leave because she said these relationships that we've been building, I believe that this is the time when we could make a difference in their lives. These Muslims, these Roma people that need Jesus, she she said, Daddy, I hate to leave because I believe this is our moment. Well, church, I say to you, I believe this is our moment. So, I guess before we gather to pray, this is not a time to panic. It's a time to be cautious. It's not a time to isolate. It's a time to speak up. It's a time to show love and compassion. It's a time to let people know that 
we love them and we're there for them. Our president has declared today as a national day of prayer. Wouldn't it be tragic if we dismissed our service and didn't spend some time praying? If the church doesn't pray, who's going to pray? We're the church. I'm going to ask you to stand. I'm going to ask some of you to come forward. You can kneel, you can stand, whatever you want to do. But I'm going to ask just a good number of you to come forward. And we're going to have just a time of of corporate prayer. And I know in this church, the tradition is quiet praying. If you want to quiet praying, if you want to pray out loud, that's also okay. And But after a few moments of praying, then I will close out our prayer time. So would you just go ahead and come right now and let's just pray for our country, pray for our leaders. Let's pray for the families of the victims. Let's pray for a hedge of protection around those that are most vulnerable. Let's just implore God to do something in our world today. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.